TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program, Mom. Zev Brenner, very pleased to invite to our airways tonight, David B. Schottenstein. I met him in Crown Heights and I had a wonderful business expo uh, he's accomplished quite a bit, including at age 21. He founded Astor and Black, which quickly became the fastest growing custom clothing company in the United States. Uh, in 2009, he was named Ernest and Young's Entrepreneur of the Year. He also sold the majority stake in Astor and Black to a private equity group. Uh, he also founded a luxury eyewear company uh, that uh, made tremendous inroads and was valued over a hundred million dollars before its third birthday. He also uh, founded uh, Thomas Ashbourne, the Craft Spirits, with a number of celebrity partners. The brand is now one of the best-selling ready-to-drink cocktails on the market. He's also a lead investor in Seventh Heaven Chocolate Company, but he did get himself in trouble one year ago on February 1st, indicted for insider trading here to talk about what he did and what we can learn from his experience. So, David, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I, and by the way, I, I commend you because it's not easy to come out and speak out. When people said to me, when I announced you're going to money, he's really going to talk about what he did. They were surprised because most people shy away when they make a mistake. But I know you're taking it straight on. I heard you speak in Grand Heights. You're not afraid to tackle something which was difficult. So tell us what exactly happened. Um. Yeah, no, you're you're definitely right. It's it's not easy to talk about uh, our failures. It's easy to get up and give a speech about all the great things we've done and all the successes we've had, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think the message that people need to hear really is about things that where we've where we've made mistakes, where we've done things that are just simply wrong, and uh, how to avoid those pitfalls um, without getting too deep into the weeds. About five years ago. Um, I somehow convinced myself that certain information that I'd been exposed to was not actually, you know, insider information. It was, you know, kind of gray area stuff. Um, and I did, uh, I did a few trades. Um, and then shortly thereafter, actually, not that, you know, within a very short period of time, my wife actually asked me, why are you doing anything? Um, that is gray area. She confronted me about it and she said, you know, you're going to see this person and to speak to him in person. Why don't you just talk about it on the phone? And I said, I, you know, certain things you don't want to talk about on the phone. And she said to me, if you're doing something you can't talk about on the phone, why are you doing it? You're successful. You've done, you know, you've built great businesses. Why on earth would you do that? And I realized she was right. I realized that I was really convincing myself that this is gray area, but it wasn't gray area. And um, I never did it again. That was about four and a half years ago. And then fast forward um, in uh, June of 2021, um, years later, the government approached me about those trades from years earlier, and uh, I owned up to it. Uh, it was at that point I met with my attorneys and I, you know, said this is what the information was. Is it was it was this actually inside information? They said yes, it was, and I said 
that being the case, I'm not going to try and play any games. I'm not going to try and, uh, you know, but didn't, you want try to and, you, didn't you try to say that you didn't realize it was inside or you thought it was it, a gray area? No, no. It, I mean, you can, you could, you could say that you could certainly say, look, you know, I didn't realize, or I didn't, but the bottom line is I knew I was doing something that was not a hundred percent kosher. And it's not a defense. It's not a legal defense to say that I didn't realize or I didn't know. Negligence is not a legal defense. And the bottom line is I did know there was something questionable about it. And that's what that's why I stopped doing it. If I if I had thought it was 100% kosher and 100% okay, you know, I would have just continued doing it. But obviously I knew it wasn't. Now, you made a deal with the government. You pleaded guilty. I believe you have to pay about $638,000 in restitution. For this. I have I have to pay restitution. I have to go in front of a judge for sentencing. Sure, yeah. I mean, there's a number of number of facets to it, um, and that's all very terrible and really horrifying and scary. And it's hard to really describe what that does to a person and to a family, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But really, what was as painful as just the past year, year and a half of my life um when you when you realize you know you you did something that had this fallout and that you know caused this fallout it's a very very painful process and um all from something so stupid and unnecessary so let me ask you this question you are a very successful business i enumerated some of the companies you've been involved you're a philanthropist your family is well known so what made you decide that you were even going to take a risk when you have success was at your fingertips? It, it, it's hard to explain like the why it wasn't, you know, it wasn't out of greed. It wasn't, you know, cause it, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't, Oh, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to go buy a nice car. Nothing to do with that. Um, it was, there was, a couple of other people involved. I, I I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but there's there's quite a bit more to it, and I just feel like it'd be better if we stay away from that. But suffice it to say, it was not because I needed the money or I, or I wanted to make an extra buck. It had nothing to do with that. But it was mm-hmm. incredibly stupid, foolish, and totally unjustified on every level. Now, what kind of impact did it have on you and your family? Because you're going through a whole process. It's not easy dealing, I'm sure. Uh, with the federal government and dealing with all, you know, the publicity and everything else. So I'm sure it took some sort of a toll on you and your family. It's not an easy situation that you're in. It it definitely, it definitely takes a toll. Um, these are very tough conversations that you have to have with your children, with your spouse. Um, How old are I'm, your children? I have an 18 year old son who's learning in, uh, in Yerushalayim. I have uh, a 15 year old daughter a 12-year-old daughter, and an 8-year-old daughter. So my kids are, Baruch Hashem, very well-adjusted, very grounded, um, you know, hardworking, smart, intelligent, wonderful children, Baruch Hashem, very supportive as well. Um, obviously, sitting down and telling and explaining to them that I did this thing that was wrong, you know, back in 2017. Um, I did something really stupid, and this is what it was. And... Um, Explaining that to them is not an easy conversation. Um, my eight-year-old asked me, you know, if you knew it was not right, meaning even if you thought 
it wasn't a hundred percent wrong, right? But if you knew it wasn't right, why would you do it? And there's there's no good answer to that question. What do you, you know? You you, you tell your eight year old, I, I did something absolutely positively idiotic, just completely idiotic. I I, I would like to think that I'm overall uh, a, a fairly intelligent person, and I I have you know Baruch Hashem been successful. And it's hard to when I look back at that time period at the person that did that in 2017, I have a very hard time um, identifying myself in that person. And I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest changes that I think came out of this whole thing, but something that I've been working on for a long time, one of the reasons why I really can't recognize that person is faith, really having real, not faith, Emunah's faith, having real trust in Hashem and, and understanding where success comes from had a tremendous, that connection, specifically through learning Shara Bitach and the Gate of Trust. Um, and there's a fantastic uh, ver- uh, edition called the Felag edition, which is printed by a partnership between Chayenu and Kahas. Um, but they printed Shara Bitachin, and I learn it every morning with my wife, like clockwork. We sit down, we have coffee, we learn something called daily wisdom, and then we do Shara Bitachin. And when you learn Shara Bitachin and you really connect to the idea of Bitachin, of trust in Hashem, you quickly realize that and you come to understand that everything we have, every, every bit of success we have, every failure we have, anything that goes on, it all comes straight from Hashem. If I'm successful in business, it's because I created a vessel, I started a business, there is some logic to the idea, and I put in a, a reasonable amount of work. Ultimately, that vessel has to be filled with Hashem's blessing. And what you come to realize is that by twisting, by, by doing something wrong, by doing something even remotely questionable, to think that somehow you're, Hashem's going to put more bracha into your vessel, Hashem's going to give you more because you did something that was questionable or wrong, is just completely backwards and goes against everything that Shara B'Tachlan is all about, everything that we are supposed to stand for as from Orthodox Jews. And that's something that I've come to really, it's become ingrained within me. And, and, you know, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. If it's a hundred percent right, if it's not a hundred percent right, then it has to be treated like it is a hundred percent wrong. There's no in between. Now, if I can understand you correctly, these trades happened in 2017. The government took its time. To- 2000 said there was two th- end of 2017, early 2018. Yeah, around I believe around that time frame was when it happened. So you did it. So you stopped it when you realized that when your wife told you. So it took the government a number of years before they caught up with you. Does Correct. The fact that you only did a couple and that you stopped did that have any impact on on what you're going through as far as the government sentencing is concerned? Um, that's I guess remains to be seen. I hope so. Um, you know, I I. I definitely didn't need to get whacked on the head to realize that this isn't something that I should be doing. And this is something I'm never going to do again. Um, so I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I hope so. David Schottenstein is our guest. He's an entrepreneur, a very successful businessman. He is a philanthropist involved with so many different country, companies, but he did get himself in trouble uh, with the government. As far as getting involved in insider trading It was actually almost a year ago. Um, that uh, he made a plea deal with the government regarding that. His sentencing is coming up. 
and that we're looking at some of the challenges he faced because of that and some of the things that we can learn uh, from his experience. Hey, this is Alan Dershowitz um, inviting you to tune into the Dersh Show, the Dersh Show, where we discuss the most important issues of the day. You know, the Dersh Show, all that's missing is the wits. And that's what I need you for, to provide the wits. We broadcast Monday through Thursday evenings at 11 p.m., courtesy of Rumble on WVIP 93.5 FM HD2, TalklineNetwork.com, and our 24-hour listening line at 641-793-0382. Please join us on The Dirt Show to really get a grasp of what's going on in our world today, and you'll hear it directly from me through my lens, which you know is always going to be your lens. So thank you. You're listening to The Line with Deb Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program. I'm Deb Brenner. David B. Stottenseat is our guest, a very successful businessman from a very distinguished family, philanthropist. Uh, he has put together many different companies, including one recently Seventh Heaven Chocolate Company, and also the best-selling dealing with uh, spirits and drinks and uh, with eyewear. And he got himself in trouble, unfortunately, with insider trading. And uh, about a year ago, I think he he made a deal with the government, and he is going to be sentenced shortly. When is your sentencing, David, taking place? In March, late March. Okay. And do you have any indication? Do, do your lawyers or anybody have an idea which way it's going to go? Um, no, that's you know, it's we don't. And uh, all I can do is uh, obviously a lot of tefillah and um, have bitachon that it's going to go well and uh, pray for the best. Now, I believe it had some in, in impact on your case that you're willing to not challenge, you're willing to cooperate, uh, you're willing to do what you had to do. Uh, so I'm sure that had some impact in, in with prosecution. From what I read, I understand they're also not going, I believe that they're asking for probation. Is that what they're recommending? No, they're not asking for probation. They're asking for, uh, I believe, the. we don't know what they're asking for yet. So I, I don't know, but they're not asking for, for probation. Uh, and I, um, I was not able to uh, cooperate. And uh, so I did not get credit for that, which obviously is um, not great for me, but um, it just was you not something that you're not going to challenge them. Is no, that no they, there's, there's a difference between pleading guilty and cooperating. Um, but in any event, I did plead guilty. I didn't challenge it. And uh, so that's where I'm at. Right. I guess they would want you to implicate other people. I guess that's what the government always usually wants in these kinds of cases. It's a long story, and uh, better we stay away from it. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think you still have that. Some some email uh, question I want to know is, is your lawyer allowing you to speak out in public? Does he feel it's a good idea? And why my, lawyer, my lawyer is allowing me to speak out in public about the lessons, the important lessons I've learned from my process. And... Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with going out in public and sharing with the public that, you know, this is what I've learned the hard way. And there's no reason you need to go through what I went through. There's no reason you need to, to, to do anything remotely questionable and end up in a similar situation. Please listen 
to what I'm telling you and, and, and please pay attention and please take, you know, whatever it's worth. And hopefully it has some impact on some people. Obviously it's not going to impact everybody, but I can tell you that when I was a young entrepreneur, um, I remember going to a speech by a very uh, successful businessman and he spoke about how important it was to him to give Staka and how, you know, he was a big philanthropist. And I remember that had a huge impact on me. It really stuck with me. And, you know, now thinking back to when I was a young entrepreneur, I just genuinely wish I would have heard more or even any speeches from successful entrepreneurs about how important it is to treat everything very much in a black and white fashion. It's either right or it's wrong. There's no in between. And the minute you start trying to play or skate in the gray area, you get yourself into real, into hot water. And I feel like that's a message that needs to be um, promoted more and talked about more. And in the context of being an Orthodox Jew, who is supposed to have bitachin and we're supposed to trust that everything comes from Hashem and that Hashem is in charge of everything. There's obviously a, a larger message beyond that, which is if you really have bitachin and you really truly believe that Hashem is responsible for everything, then why on earth would you think that for one second that Hashem is going to decide to give you, if Hashem decided on Rosh Hashanah that you're going to make X amount of dollars this year, do you really think for one second that if you do something questionable, that you can't, that you wouldn't have printed on the front page of the New York Times the next day. You think Hashem is going to decide to give you X plus ten percent or twenty percent? No, there's no chance. We're supposed to follow the laws of the country we live in. We live in a great country, and that's it. And you know, the more I can talk about that, the better. And you know, so to answer that question, yes, my attorney is fine with me sharing some of those valuable lessons. Now, have you reached out to some yeshivas, for example, that maybe they should be teaching? some more of these lessons to their students? Yes, I am. Um, I'm booked to speak at uh, two universities uh, and business schools, um, MBA, MBA students to talk about this. As of right now, um, I'm going to be speaking at a couple of yeshiva, uh, one yeshiva down here in South Florida, one yeshiva in New York. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to do as much of that as I possibly can. What have been some of the challenges going out and speaking. I know it's not easy. And how do you motivate yourself? Because basically you're putting yourself, even tonight, you're putting yourself on display. You're speaking about uncomfortable subjects. And no matter how many times you do it, I'm sure it's still uncomfortable to do so. It's definitely not comfortable to get up and talk about your failures and to talk about, you know, something like that. But I think um, the first time I did it was with the Crown Heights um, where I met you, Zev, was the, the CHYE event, the business expo. And I was super nervous getting up in front of the crowd speaking and kind of opening up. But after I got feedback from people and I heard how maybe the speech impacted the way they looked at things and the way they perhaps treated certain things in their line of work, um, it gave me a tremendous amount of encouragement that this is something I really, really need to be doing. And it's something that's a message that people really need to be hearing. And um, I actually was at Shul today and someone walked up to me and they said, I heard your speech and you said that we should share the message with other people that we mentor. And I mentor a few other young individuals and I spoke to them about it. And so that message hopefully gets carried on and hopefully one person's challenge and one person's issue will lead to a whole bunch of other people not having the same challenge. So that makes it a lot easier to speak about it and to open up about it when you know that there's perhaps some tremendous benefit for a lot of other people, especially a lot of young people. 
how has been the reaction when you gave him giving the speeches? What are you hearing from people? Are people sympathetic? Are people empathetic uh, with your plight? I think people are just appreciative of, you know, I, I don't, I really don't have, I don't have air. I, I really don't have, uh, I used to, I would say, I, I used to think of, of myself as some kind of great businessman, et cetera, et cetera. The more, the more I learn, um, the more I connected to Bitachin, the more you realize that it's not you, it's Hashem. Everything comes from Hashem. And for whatever reason, you if you're a good steward of Hashem's money, then Hashem will give you the success and you'll get more and more of it, hopefully. So you lose that ego, <laughs> melts away just from that. And then obviously when you go through a, a major uh, turmoil in your life, that will also take a, a big knock at the ego. So um, I think people are just appreciative that I'm willing to get up and put myself out there and talk about my experience and not be worried about my ego or about, you know, my pride. I, I mean, yeah, of course I, I, you know, it's, it's not comfortable, but um, people seem to be pretty, pretty appreciative of that. So now according so, to the press, the press though, I believe, and because, you know, you agree to plead guilty and go through a trial, according to what was in some of the media, they put down that since you had no, criminal record you agreed to plead guilty you waived your right to appeal they recommended to the judge one year of supervised release forfeiture of the six hundred and thirty four thousand eight hundred ninety three dollars he gained from stock trades plus additional restitution in amount to be determined by the mm. court at sentencing and a special assessment a hundred dollars we paid on the date of sentencing. no that's 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 not, not correct. correct no that's what some of the papers report yeah about. you know but, well I, I i hope in your line of work i hope you know that not everything you read in the press can be relied upon, but no, that's not accurate. That's true. No, I certainly hope that they treat you lenient, with leniency and that uh, you're successful uh, in, in your endeavors with it, but it certainly is a challenge I mean, that you're going through on that. <laughs> One of our listeners just emailed me, does this put you out of business of paying this kind of money in restitution? Um, Baruch Hashem, no. Thank God it does not. Um, this was not a... Uh, what I have to, What I'm forfeiting is the amount of gain uh, and um, stock trading is not my business. It never was my business. I haven't traded stocks in years. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been out of that game because I'm terrible at it. And uh, you're better off put, if you want to invest, you're better off putting your money in a good mutual fund uh, and just forgetting it's there and come back 10 years later or 20 years later. And you'll be, you know, you'll be a lot, a lot, a lot better off than trying to trade and do all sorts of nonsense. I mean, obviously there are people that trade well and, more power to them if they know what they're doing great um but um for me i i turned everything over years ago to professionals uh including my own brother uh and uh you know they 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 do the investing for me it's not something i want to be involved in i'm i'm focused on businesses that build great you know that make great products that consumers love that add something to people's lives you know usually preferably at a really good price and um that's where I spend my time that and and I've gotten very involved I mean I've always been involved in in uh, community efforts and in uh, various projects down Sadaka one of my lists is writing me that you're also known as someone who's very charitable there's a lot of charity a lot of Sadaka so I, I I definitely spend a lot of time in uh, I have always but uh, certainly have added to that recently um in my ch- you know charitable endeavors Now let, let me ask you this question over here 
Um, perhaps you can tell about some of the companies that you put together. Let's look, for example, as Thomas Ashbourne Craftsburg. Tell us about that. We've been highlighting some of the things that you did wrong. Let's talk about some of the things you did right. I, I definitely will, but I do have to just point. I, I heard during the commercial break there was a commercial for a new show from Simon Jacobson, and I just have to say I'm a big, big Simon Jacobson and Yussi Jacobson YY fan, so I can't wait to hear that. Um, I love the Jacobsons. They're amazing people. He's a wonderful and they do job. He does a great job in town. He's been on for a while. There's a wonderful, wonderful job. We have a lot of fact that some of the Schlichem reached out to us. I heard you're going to be on tonight. You have a very big following I see in the Chabad. I, I, that, that's definitely nice to hear. And, uh, yeah, that's, 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 I'm definitely a Chabadnik. So I guess that makes some sense. Um, in terms of Thomas Ashbourne, jumping to that, Thomas Ashbourne is a craft spirit. I actually don't run the company. I'm not involved in the day to day operations. Um, but, uh, that company was launched in 2020, I think was it late 2021 or early 2022, uh, with partners like Sarah Jessica Parker and uh, Vanessa Hudgens and other celebrity partners. And it's essentially pre-mixed drinks. So it's, you know, 20% alcohol, ABV, uh, cosmopolitan, margarita in the can, in the bottle. And they sell it at Total Wine. They sell it at grocery stores all over the country. And it's it's like you're drinking a cocktail that a bartender made for you. So instead of having to futz around with, uh, you know, bitters and whatever you need for a, an old fashioned or whatever you need to make a cosmopolitan, you pop open a bottle, you pour it over ice and you're done. So that's it's become a very, kosher. very hot product. Is it a kosher product as well? It is certified by the OU proudly. Let's go to Stan of Forest Hills. Thank you for waiting. Your question for our guests. Go ahead, Stan. Stan, are you there? Okay, we will make sure that. Hello, I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. Go ahead. Okay, my phone, not yours. I'm having a hard time listening to this conversation. Why? This, well, because uh, it sounds more like a public relations campaign than uh, he hasn't been adjudicated yet. He's waiting for what's going to happen. Correct. That's what's going on. And. I want to know, I got a question. One, did you, were you turned in by somebody or you turned yourself in? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I was turned in by somebody. <laughs> I, I, somebody oh, turned you I in? Let him answer your question. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't, I, go ahead. I, 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 I did, I did not turn myself in. I was approached by the government. So they came to you and found out about you. Is that correct? Correct. It was years after it happened. Okay. Yes, that's right. Let, so let me ask this question. Had you not been caught, would we be having this conversation? Would Are you, you saying yeah, he stopped doing it? As you, you heard him say, he, would I have? No, the, but to answer the question, that's a fair question. I mean, would I have gone voluntarily and walked in and said, oh, I did this, you know, whatever? No, I, I, I'm, 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 I, I wouldn't have. I did stop so doing it on my own, but that's correct. That right? You had a second thought. Is that right? I realized it was certainly questionable behavior and I, I shouldn't be doing it. So then you went to the government and said, I did this. I did that. Is that right? No. When, they, when the government, when the government approached, when the government approached me, I took responsibility for it. That's correct. So that had they not approached you, you wouldn't have uh, done anything. Correct. Uh, yeah, but you, mean, most people are not going to, first of all, with years since he, engaged in insider trading he stopped doing it as you heard him say yeah but he, okay he stopped doing it i understand that but he did it 
Had he not gotten caught, I don't think he would have turned this on. I don't think I don't, I, I, most I, I, people, Stan, I, I, most people, you know anybody that said I did something wrong four years ago and I'm going to turn myself in now? You know people who are like very, very few. Okay. Yes, they made money. And look, the guy's been in business. I'm going to, I congratulate him on his businesses. But somewhere along the line, there's that one word that everybody gets in when they're he's successful. I'm glad he's successful. It's called greed. He got greedy. And he got, and he, then he had, I made money, then he had second thoughts, but then the government came to him, now he's waiting to see what's going to happen, and to some extent it sounds like he's doing a public relations campaign. I, I'm sorry. You think, hold on, you think it's I, easy, Stan, to go ahead in front of public people and say, I did wrong? You think? Uh, he, I think his lawyer is not too bright to let him even do this thing. This is, you should wait till after the fact. After the, the fact, is too, he's doing it now. But let, so I'll let I, 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 I can answer that, Zeb. So first of all, in terms of in terms of greed, it was certainly not greed. Uh, in terms of no, it was not. It was not. It was not. And in terms of, in, but but that being said, that aside, in terms of public relations campaign, um, I, I think this is the opposite of a public public relations campaign. I'm not holding myself out as some kind of uh, hero or anything remotely like that. I did something wrong. I did something illegal. Uh, I I believe I handled it the right way by taking responsibility. And, uh, and trying to make something good out of a bad situation. The only one of the main things that I believe I can do in term, terms of turning a bad situation into something good is actually trying to use my experience to get other people to stay far away from anything that they think might be even questionable. And I, I, it's not about, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no chips to score or chips I'm getting for doing uh, a speech in front of a bunch of students in a yeshiva or for doing a speech, even for, for speaking to Zev. Zev asked me if I would speak about the topic. I said, sure. Uh, this wasn't, this was not me approaching Zev and saying, hi, can I speak on your radio show? I, I, I never knew who Zev was until he called me up and asked me if I'd be willing to do this. So I, I hear what you're saying and I, I'm just going to respectfully disagree with you. Okay. All right. Thank no you. No problem. All right. Thank you for your phone call. With that, no. Listen, I guess it, it is an emotional subject, and people uh, sometimes jump the gun. But I think we have to be, in general, be more willing to be down the cops because. People- I, I, I think I think one of the big lessons, you know, in terms of what he said about greed, um, the amount of money that we were talking about here, um, this wasn't a an amount of money that was going to add anything. You know what I mean? The the, the amount of money was that I made was given away to Stucka immediately within you know a 18 12 to 18 month period it was gone you know 100% not that that justifies anything but this it wasn't about that um that being said it doesn't change anything it doesn't change the fact that it's wrong um and, and uh i think having some level of busha of embarrassment and being able to just say like yeah this is this is an embarrassing thing i did wrong i'm not here justifying it in any way shape or form in fact i'm doing the opposite i'm saying there is no justification, full stop, period. And that's ultimately the message that I really hope gets across to people is the minute you're confronted with a choice, you have you hit, every day you're going to have forks in the road where you can do the harder, what seems like the more expensive choice, but the harder choice, or maybe you could take the shortcut and you think that's the cheaper way to go, but it might be a little bit, eh, a little bit questionable, a little bit fuzzy. Always take the harder, more expensive choice, you will end up, it will end up being the cheaper choice in the long run. No question. Okay. Thank you for your, 
for your question. And of course, the stand always likes to push some buttons. So and we appreciate your phone call. Um, how many companies have you put together, by the way, over the course of time? Um, from the ground up, uh, like seven or eight companies. We're I've, invested, I've, I've invested in a lot of great young entrepreneurs, a lot of great companies along the way, uh, companies where I've tried to add value or tried to get involved in a positive way and be a positive influence or help them with marketing, whatever. But from the ground up, uh, I believe it's seven or eight. David Shotson is our guest only for a little while longer. He is an entrepreneur. He's a philanthropist. Uh, as you heard, he started companies, invested in some, but got himself in trouble by involving himself in insider trading. He's going to be sentenced uh, next month for his role, but he's contrite and he's here talking about the mistakes that he's made and hoping people will take learn a lesson from him and not engage in what he's gone through and certainly hoping other people will be more careful in their dealings. When we come back, okay, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner. David Schatz is in with us. He is a very successful businessman, entrepreneur, philanthropist, got himself in hot water with insider trading, going to be sent as about a month, and he's on a contrition tour, letting people know about the mistakes that he made and that other people should avoid uh, the mistakes that he encountered simon jacobson you're on the air go ahead please yeah is that a good enough good luck. um but it's I'm a different simon to... than the rabbi simon jacobson so let me just make that clear okay go ahead yeah, simon. yeah david how are you doing um I, I heard you're 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 talking on the show and everything else i give you a lot of credit and a lot of uh, do with all respect what you're doing and a great thing um takes a lot of challenges to what you're doing Thank you. Um, I, I, I hear what you're going through and this whole thing with inside trading and everything else. Um, but I, I think we, we could come to another conclusion due to the situ- due to the situation, what's going on now. We have so much crime in the world, other very bad things going on. And there's, they pick and choose maybe because, um, the Satin, the Satin name is a big name. It's, um, you know, that's a, it's a hype. You come from a, a very big, uh, you know, from a lot of success, and they try. You know, they, especially a, a Jewish heritage like you, where you come from. But maybe they they came down a more. If it was a, probably another family or another name, I don't think they would do this. Would even be in court. So, because of your your standard, where you come from, and your uncle and everybody, Jay Schottenstein, with your your whole family. So it's it's like you know they picked a. Uh, you're, you're in the line. Are, are you saying that they, they they came down on him because of his family connection? Is that what you're saying? 100%. Whenever there's someone's a celebrity or there's a very wealthy <laughs> family, they'll, they'll always go deeper and deeper. And they, you know, to them, it's like a, they, they caught a big fish. Usually. So, can, in, can, and, can, and, can I, can I, I want to, Simon, I want to just jump in, jump in on you for one second and just say one thing. Um, first of all, uh, I, I appreciate the phone call. I appreciate what you said about you know, uh, coming out and speaking about this. Um, the one thing I would say is I don't think it's our job to even dive into that, to go down that rabbit hole and to try thinking about, like, I could spend, you know, all sorts of energy and time thinking about that and wondering why me, why this, why that? it doesn't matter. It, it, for me, I did something wrong, right? 
And uh, I own that. That's on me. It doesn't matter if my last name is that at the end of the day, and whatever the, however, for whatever reason it happened, I did that thing that was wrong and I have to own that and take responsibility and try to make something good out of that. And I think if I start going into that mindset of trying to think about why this and why it was in my family or whatever, it's very, it actually becomes unhealthy and it actually will end up leading me into a dark place. And I don't want to go to that dark place. I'd rather stay. But I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? Um, I hear, I hear, listen, yeah, yeah. listen, I'm, I've heard all sorts of things since this happened about, you know, just Congress and this and that. It, all that might be true. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But that's not my situation. My situation is this is what I did. I own it. I took responsibility for it. And then I got to try and do something and make something good out of it. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I don't want, I, I would actually say the worst thing you can do when you get into a situation is to take on this mentality of I'm the victim, right? Of, oh, why me? And sit there and cry and quetch and, oh, I feel so bad for myself. And they're trying, they're persecuting me. And this, that doesn't do anyone any good. All you do is you just prolong the pain and the suffering. The best thing you can do is, you know, own it and say, this is what I'm going to do to make myself better. This is what I'm going to do to make good out of this situation. I'm taking responsibility for it. I'm owning up to it. And that's it. And then just move forward, take big steps forward in your life. That's really the best thing I think anyone in that type of, in this type of situation can do. And I, it's not easy, by the way. I think what you're saying, Simon, is a very natural thing that we as human beings, we do. We always right away, you know, we'll quickly fall into that mindset of the, the victim mentality, but it's never a healthy one. I, I really respect what you're doing and a lot of Tzvacharaba and you should, you know, and you, you, you did a lot of great things. I mean, I hear a lot. Of, I read about you. You did. You helped this girl who had um, cancer. You really took upon yourself in the past. You did so much. You really put yourself into trying to save her throughout the years. And all your good deeds and kindness should really take you out of this situation. And you should be blessed. Amen. Show you the right Amen. path. And hopefully, everything will 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 change around, and the judge should be lenient on your case, and should be only good for you. Amen. It's nice to now know two very kind, wonderful Simon Jacobsons. <laughs> Take care. Thank you, Simon. Here's an email question for you. Who just writes, I'm amazed at your guest's ability to do this chesed to help educate other people in such a calm and sensible way. Please ask him for his full name to daven for. We will have him in mind and wish him the biggest hatzlach in all his future endeavors. P.S. Perhaps he would want to host a show on Talkline talking about Bitachim. Okay, I have no problem with that. Anyway, your response to Yehudas. Yehudas, thank you very much. My name is David Bitsalo Hakayin Ben Lea, and uh, all Tfilas are very much appreciated. Thank you, Yehudas. Very much okay. appreciated. Wish, I'm wishing Yehudas tremendous brachas she should receive for the kindness. Here's Joseph writes. Just curious, how much money did he make? As far as giving it to Tzedakah, that's nice, but he was giving away ill-gotten money. Um, so the uh, the gain, my gains were, I believe, six hundred thirty-four thousand um, dollars. Yes, I, I was. I gave that money specifically away in addition to our normal charitable giving because I didn't want the money in our bank account. My wife didn't want it in our bank account. I didn't want it in our bank account. And um, this was two years before I was approached by the government. We specifically gave that amount extra away in tzedakah. 
um, just so we wouldn't have that money in our account. We'd have no, you know, we didn't want the, uh, we, didn't, we, we didn't want it. It wasn't something I wanted to have sitting there. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to give stuck and be a big guy. It was, no, I'm giving stuck already. I'm going to add on top of that, get rid of this money. Now, yeah. obviously now, 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 now right? yeah, now I have to pay it again. Of course, now I have to pay it in restitution as well. So it's, you know, it's, which I don't regret that stucco one bit. I'm happy I gave the stucco away and, you know, it went to, it went to great causes, but restitution is restitution. You have to, it's, it's actually not restitution. It's um, restitution is when you have to pay victims back. In this case, it's just called forfeiture. So you forfeit ill-gotten gains, you give it back, you just pay it back to the, the U.S. government. Okay, and plus they're going to fine you extra on top of that because that's what they normally do. Yeah, usually they impose uh, an additional monetary fine of some sort as well. Okay. Um, I just want to get back to some of the other companies that you've made. People want to know, what about the chocolate company? I know that that's something that's relatively so, correct. Yeah, it's actually a very, it's an interesting story, um, and I'll give you kind of the quick highlight. But um, I was raised keeping Chal of Israel, and um, my my father, actually, we grew up in Columbus, Ohio. My father used to drive. Um, I remember at night, he would drive halfway to Cleveland, and someone would meet him from Cleveland with a bunch of chalavi straw milk and then bring it back to Columbus. Just He did this all the time just so we can keep chalavi straw. The milk was always spoiled, always spoiled. So I grew up, I had a major sweet tooth, and I wanted really, I mean, I loved ice cream and chocolate. So while my parents and my siblings all kept chalavi straw, I was always like the the oddball out, the black sheep. Then I got married. My wife and my children all keep chalvi straw, and I was never careful with it. We have a you know only chalvi straw in the house, and we only go out to chalvi straw places. But if I'm traveling, I would eat you know coffee with cream with milk, whatever. I would have chocolate, a chocolate bar here and there. I have a, a major sweet tooth, so I went looking after um, recently. Uh, one of my rebbeim told me. I want you to start keeping Chobi Stroll and I want you to be very careful to where it sits this every day, every day out. And you have to wear the, the uncomfortable kind and wear them untucked. So those are two, two, two things I took upon myself in addition to some other things to try and improve myself. And the Chobi Stroll thing was very hard. And I went online and I went looking for the best Chobi Stroll chocolate. And I got search results that showed vegan milk chocolate. And I said, vegan milk chocolate, what is that? I mean, if something is milk chocolate, it's not vegan because there's milk in it. So turns out there are some companies that have tried to make, you know, essentially chocolate that tastes like milk chocolate without the milk. No one has done a good job. They're all terrible. They all taste awful. I find this one company called Panda and uh, I ordered it. My wife and I got it and we, we, we tried it. We both thought for sure there's a mistake. This has to be dairy. There has to be milk in it. This is creamy, delicious milk chocolate. It is indeed vegan. There is no milk in it. And of course, the company is Israeli happens to be uh, manufactured in Israel. A couple of young Israeli kids started it. A couple, husband and wife, they're vegan. Um, they started it because they wanted, uh, they wanted to obviously have, and all, they love chocolate, and they love milk chocolate, but they're vegan, so they couldn't, that wasn't an option for them anymore. And um, I got, I reached out to the company. Uh, we got into conversation and uh, we ended up buying a piece of the company and it is now, being brought into America. The brand in America is called Seventh Heaven Chocolate. Uh, and uh, you can buy it online. They're now going into a bunch of independent grocery stores, national chains, kosher stores, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can actually buy it online at seventhheavenchocolate.com. And it's seventh with the number seven, TH, seventhheavenchocolate.com. And you'll see for yourself, but it's crazy stuff. I mean, you, you, 
you if you have a Friday night dinner and then you serve the chocolate at the table afterwards, um, you'll see the reactions. People actually get scared. Like, I'm Flashix. What do you what do you give me milk chocolate for? And then uh, you know, it's it's obviously very cool that you can say, no, this is completely vegan. We actually did it um at the art scroll CMA Shas. The company was one of the uh sponsors of the dinner, and they had all these desserts that were made by Michael Schick, the caterer, the famous, you know, the Michael Schick, uh, says Schick made these desserts using seventh heaven chocolate. So he made these milk chocolate souffles, chocolate souffles and a chocolate dipping station. And people were li- completely blown away. They just finished eating a whole Schick buffet and they're all Schicks. They all had meat. And then they go and they start eating dessert and you could see the reactions on people's faces were pretty priceless. They were like, you know, how are they serving milk? And, uh, it's growing very quickly and it's, it came, it came from a good place. The whole thing started with keeping Chalavis Roll. So I like the genesis of the project, you know, it really came out of a great thing. But it's not Chalavis Roll, but it's, it's, but it tastes like it, it, it's not, it doesn't need to be Chalavis Roll because there's no, right. there's no milk in it. Correct. Right. It is, it's under, it's actually, it's Badatz. It's very strict Tashkacha, Badatz Bells, I believe. Uh, and um, it's, it's fantastic stuff. It's all made in Israel. Uh, and we just uh, quadrupled the size of the factory there now, so it's really ramped up. Uh, but really amazing stuff. Will it be available in time for Purim in the United it, States? It's 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 available right now. You can buy it right. You can buy it at uh, grocery stores are getting it on their shelves right now. But you can buy you know if you if you don't see it at your grocery store right away, you can go on the website seventhheavenchocolate uh, and you can order it you know through e commerce like. Pretty much everything else nowadays. Now, in a few moments we have left, you also had some other companies that you made, including in the eyeglass industry that took the eyeglass industry by storm. Tell us about it. Uh, that was a company I started back in twelve, five, six years ago. I started it with uh, Jamie Foxx and some other celebrities. And uh, it, it was a sunglasses company called Privé Revo. And the concept was to have super fashionable high-end eyewear uh, at, you know, low prices, at very affordable prices. Uh, and we sold that company. We built it up over a few years and we sold it actually about 10 days before COVID hit. So that was a good thing? Or I, I assume uh, it, it, the, 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 the timing was, I guess, good for us, but uh, COVID was terrible, really terrible for the business because the business was very dependent on retail, not e-commerce. E-commerce businesses did very well in COVID. But retail obviously got whacked. So, um, you know, we sold, uh, it was February 10th, I think of 2020, right before. What were you selling? Eyeglass frames? Were selling- we, we were selling, uh, we were selling sunglasses mostly, and we were selling, uh, eyeglasses that and actually we're doing, pres- we were doing prescriptions as well. We had just started doing prescription glasses as well. And so that's, uh, and how'd you get in touch with the celebrities? Because here you are, you're a firm person. So how do you um, get the various celebrities and, and name drop some of the celebrities you work with? So um, I actually, every year, I'm, I'm very close friends with Omri Caspi, the NBA basketball, the Israeli basketball player. And Omri and I, uh, for we, have, we actually did, haven't done it since COVID, but we, I think we'll probably get back on track and do it again, hopefully at some point in the near future. Uh, we, took, we took NBA players uh, and other celebrities to Israel uh, to really raise awareness to let them see what Israel is all about, uh, what a beautiful country it is, how beautiful the people are, how wonderful the people are, 
a lot of misconceptions about Israel, obviously, out there. And uh, so this trip was something we did um, to try and correct some of the misinformation that some of these people had been exposed to. And then these people have large followings and they can share that with their following, et cetera. And on one of those trips, uh, I met uh, an actor by the name of Jeremy Piven, who played Ari Gold in the show Entourage. And um, Jeremy wanted to do his own line of uh, sunglasses. And Jeremy's guy is, you know, uh, guy who did some business stuff for him, also worked with Jamie Foxx. And then he made the connection between Jamie and I. And one thing led to another. And we ended up getting a great group of guys together. And we, we put this company together. And uh, the rest is history. So that was a, that was a really fun project and uh, a great, great business to be a part of. Mavis writes, what's the seventh heaven struggle's name in Israel? In Israel, it's called Panda. So they kept the name Panda in Israel, P-A-N-D-A, and in America, it's Seventh Heaven. And I believe now in Israel, it's now the number one, we are now the number one uh, vegan chocolate in Israel. Oh, wow. Uh, Is is there a big vegan chocolate market? Until you mentioned, I was unaware of it. Sure. Well, I mean, all all dark chocolate is vegan for the most part. I mean, obviously, there are some dark chocolates where they put, they'll use butter or they'll use milk fat. but Obviously, there are many, many dark chocolates now that are, I, I would say, most of them are now trending towards being vegan, um, just because there's not much of a point in putting milk in dark chocolate. Obviously, milk chocolate is not vegan, but um, dark chocolate typically is. Another email question, is it kosher for Passover? No, it is not. Uh, we are looking into doing some runs for Passover of some of the flavors, some of the, you know, some of the bars. Um, in fact, we're coming out with an amazing peanut butter cup that take it from my non-Khalabi Stroll days. It tastes exactly right. Like a Reese's cup. And I say like exactly like a Reese's cup. I mean, spot on. If I put the two of, if I, if you tried both, you would not be able to tell which is which. And one happens to be completely non-dairy. So obviously a big win. Um, and we're hoping that will be kosher for Passover. Uh, and some of the other variations will be kosher for Passover as well. Now, when you're dealing with the federal government and you have the plea agreement and working with lawyers, how did that affect your day-to-day business operation? Because here you are preoccupied with something that was so important, dealing with uh, what you were charged with. So I don't run, I don't run any business. Um, at the time, I was more involved with the alcohol business since I've completely, largely stepped away completely from that. And we are just, you know, my, my, uh, my wife is a, major shareholder in that business. Um, but for the most part, I'm pretty hands-off with companies. I try to add value where I can, but I'm not like, I'm not in a, in a day-to-day role with any, any of these companies. So um, I have the ability to obviously deal with it and not, it didn't impact, you know, any, it obviously impacted the amount of involvement I could have with some of these companies. Um, but, uh, you know, hoping to be able to get back into that. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously back into that already and hoping to be able to continue with that. But, yeah. Now, originally, you were supposed to be sentenced, I think, last June, but they pushed it off till March? Correct. And I guess there's there's anxiety because, you, on the one hand, you know, you have freedom until the sentencing day. But on the other hand, you're under a cloud. You're not even sure what's going to happen. So there's a certain amount of tension that you have. Because that's a pretty long period of time from June to March. It's almost a year. 
Yeah, it's 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 as I said earlier, the, the a, from the time that I was approached by the government until today, um, it's been let's just say extremely challenging. Um, but lately, we've been able to Baruch Hashem really, you know, use the experience to grow to get better in a lot of various areas. Um, uh, one of them has been, for example, I've suffered for years from um, anxiety uh, and in, 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 a, in, a, in a major way. Um, and obviously when you get approached by the federal government, that is not going to be good for your anxiety if you're someone who suffers from it. Um, but when, when the proverbial, you know what, hits the fan, you kind of have to, you're kind of forced to take a real hard look at some of these things that you need to work on and work on them. And um, I'm fortunate enough to, uh, at the age of 19, I was smart enough to marry my wife, uh, who is now my wife of 20 years. And um, she, she actually has a, you, she should be your next interview. She has a hugely successful podcast called um, From the Inside Out. Uh, she is known as the multi-role woman. And she is just, uh, she's just, you know, all about, has always been about um, working on ourselves, improving ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. And so she really forced that. She made, she said, you're not going to let this drag you down. You're not going to let this, um, you know, ruin you. You're going to grow from this. You're going to get, you know, get better. You're going to improve yourself and you're going, you're going to somehow figure out how to take this horrible experience and do something good with it. So she drove that. Are you a guest on your wife's podcast? I have not yet been a guest, but she has interviewed some remarkable people. She actually did the last interview with Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Allah Shalom. Um, and uh, she interviewed him. She interviewed Edith uh, uh, Eager, famous, you know, best-selling author, Holocaust survivor. She interviewed a number of, you know, uh, New York Times best-selling writers, et cetera. And her podcast is really aimed at, she's tens of thousands of listeners now. I mean, I think it's over hundreds of thousands now. I think it's well over a hundred thousand. And she uh, has, um, you know, a huge audience in the firm world, actually, and from women, because her podcast is really about empowering, um, empowering women to, you know, uh, to really realize their full potential and utilize all of their, uh, you know, God-given abilities and to do major good with it. And she's done that. And, uh, you know, it's been, she's, she's been really, uh, very successful with it. Thank God. You know, a lot of inquiries about your chocolate company. Joseph <laughs> writes, is seventhheavenchocolate.com is it with the number, not the seven. I guess people are, it, it's, it's, it it's correct. It's like, it's like the digit seven, <laughs> like the digit seven and then th, uh, heaven, uh, h e a v e n and then chocolate.com. And, uh, it's, uh, easy to use website and they have, I believe they keep running out of stock on stuff because Baruch Hashem, thank God the demand has been quite high. So they keep on running out of stuff, but, um, if they are not fully in stock right now, they will be shortly, but you can definitely order stuff now. Is it only online or could people buy it in the actual stores? No, you could, you could. So it's just hitting store shelves in America now. Uh, so you might see it in a kosher grocery store. You might see it in a, you're one of your national chains. Uh, but if you don't see it there, you can definitely just go online and buy it there. I think they're also launching their Amazon shop shortly too. Oh, so it sounds like it's a big product and it's a big, big hit in Israel and you expect it to 
to do the same here in America. I think it'll do even better here because the U.S. has a tremendous, tremendous number of people that have lactose allergies and are lactose intolerant or actually just literally cannot eat dairy. Uh, we, te- we tend to be a lot more allergic to things than the Israelis. So um, I think the success will be pretty, pretty phenomenal here. But again, one thing I know is that it's, it's up to Hashem. Uh, you know, Hashem will decide. We we do what we can do, and then Hashem has to do the rest, and we'll determine if it's going to be successful or not. You know, it's amazing. People are very intrigued. Bracha writes. I guess maybe we just make it very clear. Can you please spell out the website one more time? I guess people. <laughs> I love. I love how excited <laughs> people are to try the chocolate. People excited it's, about the chocolate. <laughs> I love it. It's sevenheavenchocolate.com. So it's seven, like the number seven, but the digit, not the word. Emails are red with Cloudy Q's oh. free email tracker. I'm, I'm, I don't know so what that is, but okay. but, but, no but go ahead. Yeah, We're so saying. it's it's like the number 7, thheavenchocolate.com, Uh And use the number 7, not the word 7. And they'll go. Anyway, I want to thank you for joining us. Any closing thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? Um, I, I really... I really, uh, I, first of all, I appreciate, you know, just the inviting me on the show and giving me the opportunity to speak about this. I, I really feel like this is something that needs to be talked about to young people all the time. Um, it's so easy to, to get, you know, it's so easy to justify. We all have this power of self, of justification, self justification. We all possess that power and we can justify things so quickly and so easily. And when you're confronted in business, outside of business as well, but certainly in business um, with various choices or various opportunities, you always have to ask yourself that question. Is what I am about to do, if, if I do it, am I comfortable tomorrow having this published on the front page of the Wall Street Journal? Or if you foolishly get the New York Times then on the front page of the New York Times. If the answer is no, then don't do it. That's was that, it that, your story on the front page of the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times? It, it, no, it did not make the front page of the Wall Street Journal. It made one of the back pages of it, but it doesn't matter. The point being is that you have to you have to have the mindset, you have to the approach that that's where this is going to be. And if I'm not comfortable with that, if I can't say that this is 100% right, that this can be on the front page of the newspaper and I would have no embarrassment, no issue, no problem, why would you do it? Hashem doesn't want you to do it. If you are a from Jew, if you are uh, if you are a God fearing Jew, certainly for anyone, whether you are or you aren't, this message makes sense. But certainly, if you are, it makes that much more sense because we are taught that everything comes from Hashem. That we're supposed to be talking, and you know, I am you know I am certainly not holding myself out as some kind of you know uh, uh, oh, person to emulate. I'm simply someone who went through, you know, put, did something stupid, went through a rough time because of it and hoping that that experience can somehow help other people avoid making the same mistake. Not when I say the same mistake, I don't mean specific to this, you know, to insider trading. I mean, any doing anything that is remotely questionable because you will end up regretting it. You will end up wishing you hadn't done it. So don't get yourself into that mess. No, it's certainly good advice. And if you're not sure, just don't do it. Or don't do it. Exactly. I guess you can consult with people too, right? For sure. I mean, look, obviously there's things, there are times when things come up where you need to know the legality of something. You know, how do I, how do I do this the right way? 
Okay, you consult with an attorney, you consult with an accountant, you consult with whoever, and you make sure you follow, you do exactly the right thing and don't try and be cute and be clever because that's when you get into trouble. And again, if you really think Hashem is going to reward you for bending a rule, if that's what you think, if you think I'm just bending a rule, if you think Hashem's going to reward you for that, then you really need to learn more Shara B'Tachem. That's all I can say. You think Hashem is going to give you something extra because you decided to bend a rule or to play in a gray area, you really need to strengthen your bitachin and really dive in more on that. I'm just just going two quick emails. Um, have you gone to any rebbe's to help you in your situation? Um, I am a uh, Lubavitcher chassid, so I go to the oil. I go to my to my rebbe often, and um, I. Uh, Obviously, I've, I've, um, I have a number of rebbeim that I consult with on a regular basis, but that's where I go to do most of my davening, uh, is I go to the aisle and I really uh, ask the Rebbe and beg the Rebbe for help. And here's the last question. <laughs> the chocolate seems to get in people's imagination. Can we buy this in a national store like Whole Foods or Wegmans or kosher stores? The, so the answer is yes, soon. Uh, kosher stores, actually, the independents put it on shelves much faster. So I was here down in Florida. I walked into the Grove on Harding Avenue here in Surfside the other day, and I saw 7th Heaven was on the shelves. And I also happened to see that it was on the shelves for two days, and the boxes were already half empty. So apparently it's flying. Um, so the kosher stores, you'll see it there much faster. I think most kosher stores in South Florida are getting it right now. Um, I believe they're launching in California. I think New York has it in a bunch of stores. But if you don't see it in your local store, you can buy it on the website. And they have all the same products available on the website as well. David Shanzing, an entrepreneur. He is a philanthropist. Uh, he's a lot of charity. Got himself in hot water with insider trading. But he's contrite and he's going to be sentenced in March. We, may God protect you. May you have a wonderful outcome in the sense that, you know, you should get by without going to jail. Uh, personally, I believe that in these kinds of situations anyway, uh, giving money and repaying government or if there'll be victims in some of the cases that they should be compensated, but just going to jail doesn't really serve any purpose. So we hope and pray that you will have a good outcome. Look forward to having you back. We got to get your wife on too. Yes, you definitely do. You'll be, uh, You'll once you have my wife on, then you'll then you'll you're not going to want to have me on again. But that's fine. My my wife will. Like says, maybe have to do it together with you. <laughs> <laughs> sounds that sounds like a plan. We'd love to. And thank you very much for having me on. Thank you, David. Here on the Talkline Network. Okay. Thank you for tuning into Talkline with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. For continuous Jewish programs, TalklineNetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms, or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to thetalklinenetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 